This is the night. This is the night when once you led our forebears, Israel's children, from slavery in Egypt. This is the night when Christ broke the prison bars of death and rose victorious from the underworld. This is the night of which it is written, The night shall be as bright as day, dazzling as the night for me, and full of gladness. O truly blessed night, when things of heaven are wed to those of earth and divine to the human. This is the night. Not that was the night. Not this night is like that night. But this is the night. It's happening right now. That's what we believe. Because the resurrection is not an event of history, it's the end of history. It's the opening up of time to eternity. In the place of death, in the end, there is this new beginning that no one could have imagined, no one could have expected, no one could have invented. But there were eyewitnesses that saw it, that saw him risen from the dead. And so dawned a totally new time, the last times, where now we're waiting for him to come again in his glory, to renew the heavens and the earth, so that he may be all in all, all in me and all in you, this risen Jesus whose life gushed forth from the tomb. He's alive right now, right here. The whole year leads to this night. This is the center of the liturgical year. It's the, the, the climax, the middle of everything. It's what everything is leading to. From the time we were waiting for Christmas during Advent, the baby's born, the baby lives, he's baptized, his father speaks from heaven, his ministry begins. He goes out into the desert for these 40 days of Lent. And finally, he's handed over to sinners, he's rejected, he's spit on, he's scourged and then finally crucified and killed and laid in a tomb. And then everything changes. And now every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Every Friday is Good Friday. Every evening is a remembrance of our death. And every morning is a new promise of resurrection. Christians see the world totally differently now because of this event. We don't believe in a philosophy We don't believe in a system of government. We believe in Jesus, risen from the dead. And because he's risen, it means he's here now. And he's here now. And then he's here now. Never yesterday. Never a few years ago. Never back when I was in college. Jesus is risen. He is alive. Now. One of you was asking uh, the other day of Becca uh, about somebody who heard that Jesus descended into hell. It's in the Apostles' Creed, the the creed that we pray with the rosary. Jesus descended to hell. And they were saying, what does that mean? How how could Jesus descend into hell? Why would he descend into hell? Um, I mean, the short answer is because he had to go to the depths all the way to the bottom. Not the hell in the post-Christian world where we've even said no to Jesus, but 
from the first soul of Adam and Eve all the way to the last soul that died before Christ rose from the dead needed to be brought out of the prison bars of death, which was Sheol, the underworld, the ultimate isolation from God, from communion, which was physical death. And he brought them back into life, into, into the spiritual, eternal life. They are still awaiting the resurrection, as are all the faithful departed, but that hell, that, that place, the underworld that, where, where death cannot praise you, now is united because Christ himself, the author of life, went into death. And they said, but why did Jesus have to die? And that's one of those questions where it's like, yeah, there, there are answers. There's plenty of people who have answered that. Why did, why did Jesus have to die? Why did the Father need for Jesus to die on the cross in order to forgive our sins? Why did he need to die so that we could live? I don't know. But he did. Yes, our sin had alienated us from God. We were made for relationship, and our sin had cut that relationship off. And it was an infinite sin, and it needed an infinite merit to recover, to restore, to atone and repair that relationship with God that we'd broken in our sin. Yes, that's true. Yes, we were dead in our sin and alone and and, uh, isolated and cut off from God completely, and only by him coming into our life and even into the depths of our death could we be brought back into life. All that's true philosophically, theologically. But I don't know, as I live into this life as a priest, um, you witness a lot of suffering, and a lot of death. And that same question kind of comes up, like, why did Jesus have to die? Well, why did she have to die? Why did he have to die? Why do we all have to die? It's just part of this mystery um, of life, is that it ends. Why is there suffering? Why alienation? Why this division? Why is the world the way it is? Something's wrong with the world, and Jesus came to make it right. And that's what the apostles knew. When the Spirit rushed on them at Pentecost, they felt it in their bones. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what the world has been waiting for. This is the only answer to those questions. Is the very life of God that rushed out of the tomb, that breathed into the flesh of Jesus, his dead crucified flesh in that tomb, is now in us, in the church. The Holy Spirit inhabits us as a soul inhabits a body. O truly blessed night, when things of heaven are wed to those of earth and divine to the human. I was teaching eighth grade once when I was a seminarian, and I, uh, I'd never really taught junior high. It's pretty hard, um, especially to keep their attention. I thought, tried to think of all sorts of uh, ways to entertain them with also trying to teach them at the same time. And I created this whole Jeopardy thing, like a PowerPoint presentation, and it was just like questions of all the things that we'd been talking about, the Bible and theology, the Trinity, Jesus. And I just made this little like slideshow thing that, that had all the answers and questions. And this one kid was just killing it. He, he knew all the answers. And he was one of these kids. He was clearly the brightest kid in the class. But he also was very vocally like, I don't believe any of this stuff. I just know the answers. He was an atheist. And I don't know his whole family background, but he had grown up initially with one of his parents who was super religious and then later in his adolescence had moved with the other parent who was not as religious and and sort of had grown out of it. But he still remembered it. He still knew all the answers. If God is three persons in one nature, Jesus is one person in two natures. He knew the stories of the Bible and and everything. 
Um, I remember at one point, everybody was kind of laughing and uncomfortable because he was just getting all the points. And he's like, oh, man, this takes me back to my childhood. And I was like, dude, you're like 13. (laughs) And if I had been more insecure, I probably would have uh, taken it personally that here I am devoting my life to the truth of this. And this 13-year-old says, like, oh, I grew out of that years ago. Like Santa Claus or something. That's not what the resurrection is. That's not who Jesus is. If that's true, then we're all doomed. It says, our birth would have been no gain had we not been redeemed. O wonder of your humble care for us, O love, O charity beyond all telling, to ransom a slave you gave away your son. O truly necessary sin of Adam, destroyed completely by the death of Christ. O happy fault that earned so great, so glorious a Redeemer. This morning I was praying here in the chapel with the empty tabernacle on um, After Holy Thursday, the tabernacle is empty until tonight after Mass when Jesus will be back in the tabernacle and we'll have that red vigil light again here. But I was just in here praying in front of the the empty tabernacle and with this gospel from Luke, the women going to the tomb and it being empty. And I just thought, what would it be like if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead? It would be like this. You'd just maybe in a pretty room with like nice art in it. But Jesus wouldn't be here. It'd be like pointless. And I thought, where would I go? I think, I hope I'd be like the women and I'd just go to the tomb and I'd wait there. Because if he doesn't rise, if he doesn't come out of it, if he's not alive, then what's the point? But the good news is he is alive. And in just a few moments, he'll be back in here. And we'll have that light to show you that you need to genuflect. Every knee should bend in heaven and on earth. Because Jesus Christ is Lord. He conquered death. And so he's alive today. Now. 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 Just a few moments, we're going to baptize and confirm Micah. And Micah... uh, I'm not talking that much about you in this homily because this night is not about you. And that's such a gift that what you're entering into is something so much bigger. But this is the night all over the world when new Christians are made, when new people, neophytes, are plunged into the waters of baptism, baptized, as St. Paul says, into the death of Christ and made a new creation. You're going to become a son of God tonight. The spirit of adoption the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is going to inhabit you as a soul inhabits a body. And you'll be confirmed, sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit and nourished for the first time with the Eucharist. So we pray with you this night as all the angels and saints, in a moment we're going to hear the, the uh, litany of saints. These is, this is the night when things of heaven are wed to those of earth and divine to the human. A truly blessed night. A truly blessed night.